Welcome to The Leader's Guide, the podcast made for today's leaders who are looking to make a difference in their life and the lives of others. Let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Leader's Guide podcast for the purpose to help you become a better leader of your life. And today, we're talking about money, not necessarily making money, but something far more important, financial literacy. As a leader, this is a critical skill to have both personally and professionally. And today, I'm thrilled to be able to have this conversation with somebody who has decades of experience in this industry, Marcy Grossman. She started doing bookkeeping for her father at 14 years old and turned that passion for finances and money into her own accounting firm and has been serving as a financial literacy educator throughout her entire career. Marcy, welcome to the show. Thanks, Alex. I'm happy to be here. So would you mind just quickly telling our audience, I know that we've had a lot of conversations about your your past and your professional history, but just a little bit about you and, and who Marcy Grossman is. Well, I am a CPA uh, with over 30 years of experience. I'm, I'm a second generation CPA, so I'm following in my father's footsteps. And uh, I've done a lot of different things in accounting and recently pivoted because I felt financial literacy was so important that I wanted to make that the cornerstone of what I was doing right now. Gotcha. So what what kind of drove that shift from accounting into the more personal finances and financial literacy for you? I found that no matter who I was talking to, whether they were young or old, had a lot of money or little money, a lot of education or very little formal education, there were gaps in, in their financial literacy. There were financial decisions they were making that, that weren't in their best interest and, and weren't even getting them to their own goals. And uh, I felt this was this was something that needed someone to to step into it and, and find find a way to, to really bridge those gaps. And there's there's a lot of people out there being financial literacy experts. There's a lot of books, there's courses, but everyone learns differently. And uh, I felt I had a way to teach that was a little bit different than other people that could could reach people that weren't otherwise being reached. Yeah, that's great. I know that financial literacy, obviously, with the rise of just TikTok and social media and YouTube and everything, it's all over the place. And we'll talk about how to kind of comb through that a little bit. But taking a, a step back to set the basics, what's the difference between financial literacy and I guess just personal finances, knowing how much money you have and what really is financial literacy? Well, financial literacy encompasses knowing how much you have, and it goes deeper. Um, when you are making a decision as to which health insurance to buy, you know, to sign up for and what it covers, that's a part of financial literacy, understanding the difference between an FSA and an HSA, understanding the difference between savings and investing and looking at your tax return and understanding the numbers. That doesn't mean you have to be a CPA and be the one who prepares your tax return. But it does mean when they're done and you're looking at it, when you sign off on it, you're taking responsibility. You need to understand what you're looking at. So, so those are some of the basics of financial literacy as opposed to just going through the, the uh, financial decisions we make. Yeah, I think that a lot of times people look at financial literacy or their finances as, am I making more money than I'm spending? And Wow, that is important, obviously, and an issue that so many other people get so many an issue that so many people get caught up in. Obviously, it goes so much deeper. And this episode and just in this conversation, obviously, we're not going to dive into 
all the different aspects of it, but just kind of maybe giving people the ideas for the right questions they can start asking to better understand their personal finances. It's important to ask the right questions and it's important to, um, to know who it is you're asking those questions to so you can feel comfortable with the quality of the answers you're getting. Yeah. So let's just start with yourself, I guess. So whether you're looking at your, a single college student who is just working on having personal finances, so they can have extra spending money, or you have a family and you're putting money towards your retirement and everything else. What are some of the questions that you can start asking yourself in order to gain a better financial literacy? Well, you can always look at the money you're spending. And hopefully the money you're spending is less than the money you're bringing in. Of course, when you're a student, that's not usually the case. Education is, is expensive and, and uh, that's where your time is. So, so you're not out working and spending the hours on there. But being aware of the decisions you make in terms of, you know what? I want to get together with my friends for coffee. We can have coffee at someone's house or we can go out to a coffee place and, and spend more money. Do we have the money? Do all of us that want to spend that time together have the money? Because everyone's coming from a different place. Just because you went to high school with someone and you got into the same college and you're studying the same things and you live in the same neighborhood doesn't mean you both have the same amount of cash in hand to go out for coffee. Mm -hmm. So, so just kind of being aware when you're spending your money, what you're getting in return for it. And, and that's at any stage in your life. Think about it of if I go to that concert, how many hours of work did it take for me to go to that concert? Or, or where is that money coming from? What are the coffees I'm not going out for? Or, you know, whatever it is that you spend your money on, how many pizzas am I going to give up to go to that concert? Where, where is that money coming from to pay for those extras? Yeah, it, it's taking a look deeper than just the money, the value, the dollar sign you see in your bank account and going, what's the opportunity cost here? You know, if you're working a minimum wage job and you choose to go out for lunch, you know, that's a, a whole hour of work potentially, right? And it sounds like that first question is just taking a look at where am I now and asking those questions when you're making a financial decision of, is it worth the time that I've put into making this money receiving what I'm receiving? Right. And then otherwise, okay, so I can make more money, more, I can work more hours to make that money back. But what is the cost of those hours? If you're in college, it might be the cost of studying mm -hmm. or hanging out with your friends. If you're, if you have a family, it might be the cost of spending time with your family. And so you, you always have to have that balance. It's money's great, but the idea of money is what it can do for you in the other areas of your life. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you if you chase the bill and you miss everything else, what's the point? Yeah, no, exactly. And I'd love to get into kind of a little bit we were talking about, but the mindset behind money and financial literacy, because I think there's a huge difference between what you were just saying and, and understanding the value of what you're truly receiving and just seeing it as a as a dollar sign. I know that like one area that I see this so often is when people are are facing some kind of large expense, like, like student loans or some kind of debt or monthly bills, it can be so easy to think that the small things don't matter. The difference between making your coffee at home versus grabbing Starbucks on the way to work. How does that mentality affect your short-term versus your long-term finances? Well, that's everything. I mean, 
truly it is everything because if you separate your short term from your long term, you're never going to get to your long term. And and it's important to understand that those small dollars matter. Uh, for example, when I'm talking about retirement plans and someone just starting out, they might have student loan bills, they might be trying to move out for the first time and they've, they've got car payments, whatever it is, and they don't see the value even if they're only putting away $25 a month or a paycheck into their retirement plan. $5, you know, sometimes is the minimum that, that some of those fund houses will allow for investments. But the power of that by putting it in early and giving it all those extra years to grow is, is huge. And that's, and that's that small, that's, hey, that one Starbucks a month that I'm going to put in my retirement instead of, instead of, of getting my whatever with all the words, because I'm just a black coffee drinker. So I don't, I don't know all the lattes and, and other things that you put into coffees, but that, that $5 coffee, one a month into your investment, starting at the age of 22, 23 years old, grows significantly by the time you're ready to retire. Do it a couple of times a week, and all of a sudden, that pays off your student loan. That, that's a down payment on your house or a significant chunk of your car or whatever it is that, that your bigger goal is. And you always have to balance that, that short term versus the long term. If, if you want to be successful and, and figure out what's meaningful to you. Yeah, I think that it, it's so much more about the mentality than it is the, the little dollars that you're saving, right? Because it's obviously a dollar here, a dollar there. It adds up and it adds up quickly. You, you can see that very quickly with spending of when you're spending $5 here and $6 here and $10 here, how quickly that spending goes away. And then on the opposite, if you're choosing to save, choosing to, you know, before you go out with your friends, eat dinner beforehand. And then, you know, you can have a drink at dinner or have something small at dinner or something like that, choosing that balance and learning to make decisions with that long term in mind, right? Yeah, there was a, a book many years ago, I don't know if they updated it. it was the millionaire next door. And it was mm -hmm. all these people that lived very frugally, and you didn't know they had significant money. Now, I'm not going to say you should live so frugally that you're not enjoying it. It's a matter of finding that balance and, and finding the emotion of it because you do want to have the nice things now. It's just a matter of balancing how many of the nice things and how are the nice things, what's important to you. If you're someone who's a foodie and loves food, then going out to the nice dinner should be where you spend today's dollars. If you're someone who loves concerts, then the nice dinner should be down, you know, down below on, on your other decisions. And the concert should be the important thing. Find the things that bring you joy because that's what money is here for. It's that tool to help you get the things that are meaningful, the things today and, and the things tomorrow and farther down the line. That, that I think is, is a fantastic point to bring up because I think that oftentimes it feels like two extremes where it's like, hey, they need to save all my money and not enjoy different experiences and miss out on things, or I need to not have money and just spend it all. And it seems like there's two extremes where in reality, like you said, it's kind of finding that middle ground where you can enjoy the money you make, you can spend the money and enjoy it and have experiences, but figuring out, am I spending my money on things that are important to me, like concerts, like food experiences, like um, experiences traveling, whatever it may be, or am I spending my money on other people's values? Right. 
Right. And it's and it's huge to find your own values. People think about money as being all logic and there's so much emotion in it. And and you have to connect with that and, and find those things that are that are meaningful. Yeah, I love that. So I think just in if we're if we're talking to people who are early in their we'll say financial journey, right? Um one of some of the first questions you can ask yourself is a where am I currently at and what is what I'm spending my money on bringing value to my life and then also that question of what's important to me and directing your finances either the savings the spendings or whatever in whatever to what's important because I think when you know what's important to you you know what your values are it's so much easier to say yes to some things and then no to other things and in doing so and being really congruent with yourself and your own personal goals. Yep. Well said. <laughs> so I, I, I want to kind of uh, go back to what we were talking about earlier, because I think with financial management and financial just responsibility in general, there are so many different avenues to learn about this, right? You can do different podcasts. You can watch TikToks or YouTube videos. You can hire financial consultants, financial management, stuff like that, that it can often seem overwhelming of, I don't even know where to start. You know, we kind of talked about that aspect of starting with where am I currently at, but when it comes to getting some kind of external help, um, whether it's through an individual or through social media, whatever it may be, what are some important questions to ask yourself when you're looking to expand your understanding of financial literacy? Well, I would start with this person that I want to ask for advice. Why do I want to ask them? Do they have credentials? Do they have education? Do they have experience? Where, where is their expertise coming from? Because I think there's a lot of people out there. It's real easy to start TikToking. Hey, I just started TikToking and, and you know, I'm old. So uh, it's, it's important to know the credentials of the person that you're, you're working with. And they don't always have to be formal credentials. I mean, I think there's a lot of people out there that aren't CPAs that can give good financial advice, but but it's hugely important to know the person that you're dealing with, especially with money, because, you know, we've heard so many times when people have, have uh, hired someone who is shady and they've lost all their money and this was someone they trusted. So, so you want to make sure that you're dealing with honorable people that you feel you can trust that that you've done your your research on them and uh and you want to ask questions if someone's not willing to let you ask questions and is not willing to take the time to answer your questions then they may not be the person you want to deal with and understand that people have limitations as, as a cpa there are times someone will say hey i'd like to hire you to to do my work and i'm like you know what what you want isn't my area of expertise. You need to go to someone who is more skilled in that. I'm not a stockbroker. I'm happy to work with your stockbroker. I'm not an attorney. I'm happy to work with your attorney to develop your, your will, your trust, your estate plan, whatever it is. And if someone knows everything, and if someone thinks you don't need to know anything, that's not someone you want to deal with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that full just two-way communication transparency, you know, of asking right. questions and they want to get, they want to understand your situation. You understand their experience level, their credentials, their situations, having that two-way line of transparency. sounds like something that is, that is incredibly important. And I guess when you're on social media and you're looking, cause obviously it's so easy to, like you said, just make TikToks, make YouTube videos and stuff like that. 
what are some strategies, I guess, for filtering through some of the people who maybe align with your goals and your values and some of the people who really could add value to your own life? Well, you do want someone who aligns with your values, but you also don't want someone who's just going to agree to anything you say. So it's a matter of doing research on them and um, checking references. You want someone who disagrees with you enough to make you think about things. You don't want someone who's, who's uh, was it uh, confirmation bias? Mm -hmm. uh, that, that does you no good. I took a management class in college. And uh, one of the things he talked about is you want a friend that disagrees with you and you want an enemy that agrees with you because that's a reality check for the things you think you know, because an enemy, that doesn't mean an enemy, you know, arch nemesis, whatever, like a comic book guy, but uh, someone who you're not friends with, who agrees with the things that you say is, is a great reality check that the things you're doing are logical. And a friend who disagrees gives you an opportunity to bounce things off and see what they see that you don't or vice versa. And, and it's, it's an opportunity to, to just make sure that, well, as I said, it's a reality check on, on uh, what you think you know. Yeah, I, th I love that point. I think that's a, that's a great idea of just surrounding yourself with people who, A, aren't afraid to challenge you right? And challenge some of your goals and your values and what you're looking for out of not even just your finances, obviously that idea can expand to so many different things. And then people who also want to support you in achieving those goals. So I guess in looking at that as well, one thing we haven't really talked about a ton is goals, is creating some of those financial goals. When you're working with clients, you're working with people who um, I guess are looking to take their finances a little bit more seriously. How can you go about setting goals around your own personal finances? Well, you start by looking at your long-term and your short-term. And you have to consider all kinds of goals, not just financial, because, you know, educationally, you're going to, you might have to go into debt before you can start making money. And relationship-wise, it may take time to find the right person or their their timing to be ready for a relationship might be different because their school goals might be longer or shorter than yours, or their work goals might involve travel or whatever else. So any goals that you want to set in life, you've got to evaluate all the pieces of it and, and determine if they are in line with where you want to go. If, if you're looking to get married in the next three years and the person that you think you're in a relationship with has five or 10 more years of schooling that involves traveling and whatever else, then that's a conversation you need to have and, and determine what goals, what goals are changing for, for that to be a relationship or to recognize that that's not going to be the type of relationship you want at this point in time. And, and that goes, I mean, even with married couples, if you're not going to talk to each other, hey, my goal for retirement is travel. Hey, my goal for retirement is to stay home and play with the grandkids and whatever those are. So, so that's a matter of, of communicating honestly with the other people that might be involved in your goals and especially with yourself about what those goals are and, and what they mean. Um, at one point, I considered going to law school. That would have been a three-year commitment and the money for it. And 
you know, then all the things of building up to a practice. And ultimately, I, I decided that that wasn't something that interested me. But it was something that I did consider for a while. And you have to sit back and, and evaluate, this is where I am. This is where I want to be in three years and five years and 10 years and in 20 years, whatever, whatever time frame. And, and see if your three-year and your five-year and, and your 10-year even line up. Yeah, right, right. What I, what I love about the conversation that we're having and what you just said is, is there's so much more to money than, I guess, meets the eye, right? Money is, it's, it's integrated in every aspect of our lives. And it's important to, when you're looking at your own, where you're currently at and where you want to be, how that relates to other areas and other aspects of your life. Because I think that it's it's very easy to say, oh, I want to make a million dollars by the time I'm X, Y, Z, right? This age. And there's an opportunity cost where a lot of people who are incredibly successful entrepreneurs or incredibly successful business people may not have the best personal life, you know, or may not have the best relationships with their family and their friends and stuff like that. And obviously that's a, that's a blanket um, accusation there, but um in reality, if you're putting a lot of time and a lot of energy towards making money and towards those different resources, you got to know that there that's time taken from other places, right? And knowing like what's important to you in these different areas, going back to what you said about your, knowing your values, knowing that opportunity cost, and then setting it based on that first, you know, mm -hmm. and then, and then building those financial goals from there. It's everything is everything is everything the the phrase is all roads lead through finance because everything you do impacts money or is impacted by money in one way mm -hmm. or another it's it's our frame of reference it's it's what we it's what we use to get away from the barter economy it's true and it's it's something that you cannot escape whether you like it or you don't like it it's it's all it's all around us and what's funny is as as important as it is, money is such a taboo topic, right? And people don't enjoy talking about the personal finances, don't enjoy talking about their personal financial goals for the most part. Why do you think it is that money is such a taboo topic and what you can do to shift that if needs be? Well, I think money is a taboo topic because so many professions earn so many different uh, ranges of money and, and it has nothing to do necessarily with with your education or with your title or whatever, uh, or even necessarily your importance to society, for whatever reason, these have become the the salary ranges for these these different positions. And I think I think that may have been where it started, and then it all backed out from there because hey, if I'm making a million dollars, I can afford a different house than if I was making a hundred thousand than if I was making thirty thousand. So all of a sudden, my house changes, my car changes, my vacations change, the restaurants I go to change. And so I think because of that, a lot of money became taboo because there were so many things you couldn't talk to. You know, you were, you were friends with someone all your life. You went off to college. Maybe you even got the same degree, but you ended up with different jobs for whatever reasons that put you into different salary ranges and all of a sudden those similarities of your life and your expectations and, and your goals came because of that. So, so that backed off and you couldn't talk about money. Mm -hmm. um, 
But I, I think we there are so many areas where we can talk about money because you don't necessarily have to talk about the actual dollars to say, you know what, that's more than I want to spend to take a trip. So I'm not going to vacation with you. However, if you'd like to do X, Y, Z, rent a cottage or, or, you know, meet for day trips or whatever else, I want to spend time with you. But vacations like that aren't my passion. And that's not where I want to put my money. They don't have to know that you can write that check easily and you just don't want to spend it that way. Or that would cost too many of your fancy dinners to go on the vacation because fancy dinners are your, are your passion. But I think if we, if we frame it differently and we talk about that's, that's not where I want to spend my money rather mm -hmm. than I can't afford to do that. It's not their business whether you can afford to do it or not. If you feel comfortable saying I can't afford to, that's fine. I think we feel judged too many times by what we make as if the amount of money we have is is what establishes our worth and and that's that's a personal mental emotional thing we we have to go through as to whether we feel that matters it isn't anybody's business well except for your accountants and your financial advisors how much money you have or how you decide to spend it isn't even your financial advisors if you want to go into a lot of debt because a house is important and you can afford to make those payments, uh, that's up to you. Mm -hmm. uh, if, if your retirement is the most important, that's up to you. It's, I think if we start talking to our kids about money and about decisions with money without necessarily putting amounts on it, then that helps. If we give them allowances and let them make mistakes with their allowances, they can start learning that way. Uh, there you go, cat. Um, everyone's got a comment. And um, but I think there's a lot of things we can talk about money without getting into the personal aspects of it that they're just personal. It doesn't have to be taboo to be personal. Mm -hmm. Well, and and I think you said something really interesting is that people associate the dollar amount they make with the value that they provide. You know, and, and you get people who, you know, if you're making $40,000 as a teacher versus somebody who is making $100,000 working at a bank, um, it's very easy to look at somebody who is making more money than you and say like they're worth more than you are, air quotes around worth, and that they provide a bigger value than you do. And I think that that's, that is a very difficult thing to, like you said, to kind of grasp and to come to terms with that that's just not true and how how just in finishing up here one of the last questions i want to ask is how do you go about making that kind of shift in your mentality when it comes to finances and in kind of separating your own personal worth your own personal value from the dollar amount that you have in your bank account and then mindsets that you can start developing in order to really succeed within your your finances well, anytime it comes to a change of mindset or a change of habit, you just have to make a decision and do it and remind yourself. I mean, it's the same as if you're on a diet or if you're quitting smoking or whatever else, there's no magic button that can change your mindset. You have to make a decision and you have to make an effort and you have to put in the work. And I wish it was easier than that. It's not. Um, 
but but your value is not determined by the amount of money you have. And and that's something people need to realize. Uh, but they they just have to find it themselves. They just have to have to do the work, put up affirmations or whatever it is that you need to do to help you figure that out. Yeah. And I love that's there's financial coaches and coaches and all kinds of stuff for those kind of reasons. And Marcy, I, I really appreciate you taking the time today to to talk. I really enjoyed our conversation and the, the time has flown by. And before we finish up, I've got I like to finish up so it's just five light um rapid fire questions for you. And then um and then and then we'll wrap up here. Um Okay. Okay. My first question. If you had a hundred thousand dollars to give to one cause or one organization, where would you send it? Oh boy. Probably to schools in some manner. To schools? To schools. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Keep it simple there. Um, what is one movie that you would watch over and over again? Oh boy. Um, there are so many movies that I watch over and over again. I, I guess maybe a league of their own. A league of their own. I haven't, I haven't quite seen that one. I'll put it on my list. Uh, yeah, you must. Yeah, no, it's, I'll put it on my movie list. What is the best piece of advice that you've ever received? Don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to ask questions. I love it. And then on the other side of that, what's the worst piece of advice that you've ever received? Sit down and shut up. <laughs> there you go. Kind of those contrasting ideas there. And then lastly, what is something that you wish you knew when you were in your early 20s or just starting your career that you know now? have fun <laughs> have, have more fun trust yourself yeah i love it i love it well marcy thank you so much for for taking the time to sit with me today i know that you've got your book called uh money marcy's guide to financial literacy that is out where people can can connect with you and learn more about some of the different ideas that we we touched on very briefly here where else can people find you connect with you and get to know some of your personal work well, I am all over social media. I am. Uh, I have a Facebook group, which is just Money Marcy, and uh, it's got my little head icon on it, just like you'll see on the book cover. And I TikTok, and I Instagram, and I tweet, and I am on LinkedIn. I think you've got all the links you'll put in the in the show notes, so, so everything is there. Awesome. Yeah, I'll provide the links to to your book and all the different social medias you have. Um, down in down in the show notes below and um just marcy thank you so much for for taking the time to chat with me today it's been it's been such a pleasure i've loved getting to chat with you and to our listeners thank you so much for for tuning in and if you enjoyed this episode please leave a review share it and it means so much to me and we will catch you next time <laughs>